Right. Um, Will, thank you so much for joining us today. You are the creator behind the YouTube channel LFC Focus, which is, of course, one of Liverpool FC's favourite own YouTube channels. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Tom. Yeah, I don't know about favourite YouTube channel, but it has been going for a few years now, so it's it's built up a little bit of a following. It's 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 not necessarily its own community in a sense, but um, essentially the basic principle of it is I am speaking to a camera about uh, everything that goes on with Liverpool Football Club and kind of most importantly my opinions on it as well because it, it kind of it occupies a space within fan media, which is something that's exploded over the last ten years, where it is very much people's own opinions about football and so it's me saying what I think about the games that are coming up and then of course the games that have just been played as well Mm. you say it's not really a community but you've got 11.2 thousand subscribers and I'm pretty sure there's only I I had a number actually written down there's only 27,000 season ticket holders at Liverpool right so you've got a third (laughs) of that number that's a big demographic of the Liverpool um, fan base of the Liverpool community that you are covering so I don't think that's a small community well, yeah, one of the one of the downsides, I suppose, because I live uh, in the south of England, I'm 200 miles away from where Liverpool actually play their games. So it's quite a rare occasion for me to actually go and watch the game and be part of that atmosphere. And I'd say the last few times I've gone, I have kind of been not accosted in the street. That makes it sound like I'm being mugged, but I've had like people come up to me after the game, particularly when I'm recording the videos as well, because obviously if I've been at the match, I'll record a post-match video right outside the ground to try and capture that atmosphere and you'll get people watching you make it and then afterwards they'll come up and they'll say that they watch the videos and I've had like people come up to you and say, oh yeah, my uncle lives in Australia, but he always makes sure that he watches the video before the game and stuff like that. So I guess I don't get that much of the side of it because I'm not as surrounded by Liverpool fans as I would be if I lived next door to where they play play their games um but i think it, it there is more of a sense of community now it's been going for a while as well because you get people who've been watching the channel for a few years they've kind of seen me grow as a a presenter i guess you would call it like it seems almost pretentious to say that because as i said it is it is a, 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 at its core it's just me in my bedroom talking about the football it doesn't feel like i'm on match the day or sky sports or anything it's very much done in a conversational style but it, it what what I think is most bizarre is is it has become part of people's pre and post match routines because I myself before and after a game I'll have certain media that I want to watch so there are Liverpool based podcasts that I'll listen to uh, a press conference with the manager that I'll watch and everything like that and then after the game there's certain like blogs that I'll want to read that are reaction to the match and what I find most interesting is that for other people I'm part of that as well. So the game will finish and that they'll want to go and see what I have to say about it, which which obviously took a while to kind of snowball because you need more subscribers. And like I said, people need to watch for a little while before it really becomes part of their routine. But it is now at a point where there's kind of quite a nice little community about it. And I do like seeing like when people are discussing in the comments section with each other as well. I don't just want it to be me talking to the subscribers and them talking back. It's nice when it becomes a whole kind of inclusive thing where everyone's getting involved. Mm. I think what you're doing there, which is really powerful, is, as you say, for the fans, for the big fans of Liverpool who perhaps don't have so much time to consume these various forms of information, such as blogs or podcasts, you're actually going away consuming all of these and summating them in a really um, in a really succinct and short and well-researched way, as a good presenter, as you say, which uh, people are able to enjoy and get the level of detail that you have just in a short amount of time. So I think that's special. Well, yeah, because since I started doing the channel, I think it's definitely made me engage with th- the whole process of being with a, a Liverpool supporter so much more. You know, before I was doing LFC Focus videos before and after every single game, it was kind of just like, you know, I'd go about my business during the week and then the weekend would come around and on a Saturday morning, I'd be like, oh, let's see who Liverpool are playing this weekend. Are they on the TV? And then look into that. And then obviously I'd watch the game still. But now it's like during the days leading up, I'm kind of thinking about what, what kind of form we're in, what the team needs to do to improve. I'm thinking about the team that we're going to play and what we can do to try and beat them what they're going to try and do to beat us and then the press conferences come around I'm watching those looking for little bits of information about how we might set up and what players are available and it's like it's become a much bigger part of my life I think which is which is fun in a way because it does mean that like some of my friends in 
I say in real life, but like people that I just know personally will come up to me and ask me for information as if I'm almost like an inside journalist in the club now. Like they'll be like, oh, so uh, what's Jurgen thinking at the moment? Obviously Jurgen Klopp being the Liverpool manager and they'll ask for injury information like I'm in the training ground every single day, you know, with a microphone up in the medic's face going, when's he going to be back? When's Joel Matip not going to be have his leg broken anymore or something ridiculous like that? But um it is like very much a process of trying to get as much information as possible about Liverpool and what's going on there and about the teams that we're going to play and distill it into quite a short format. I think that's something that I'm still trying to get better at um, because the videos at the moment, they come out anywhere between 15 and 20 minutes is kind of the general runtime. And I'm talking very fast all the way through that because that's kind of just, that's how I talk anyway. Um, but I think it would be nice to kind of distill it down even more because, as you said, people don't have that much time on their hands and especially if they want to be consuming content from multiple sources before a match, they don't want it to go on forever. So it's all about presenting as much information as possible in a very succinct way. Mm. Do you think it would be worth, though, sacrificing some of that information in order to cut it down to make it shorter? I don't think I'd ever want to sacrifice the information and it is it's a balancing act as well because the thing is it's a it's a fan media channel what I'm doing I'm not trying to be like Gary Lineker on match of the day or or Jeff Stelling on Sky Sports I'm trying to be present it from the perspective of a much more casual fan and therefore it needs to feel a little bit conversational conversational it needs to feel a little bit more personal I'm not just trying to cram information down people's throats it's got to be done in a way you know, there's always the analogy people give that fan media is a lot more like the conversations that you'd have down the pub. And obviously down the pub, you're not speaking as if you're on Sky Sports News. You're speaking as if you're chatting to your mates about the football. But at the same time, it can't just be people chatting random nonsense like you do down the pub. It's got to have kind of salient information that's that's worth listening to and worth tuning into. Because, of course, at the end of the day... This is information that I've pulled from other places. I've got it from like the Liverpool Echo, who do all sorts of articles about the club. I've got it from press conferences. I've got it from watching the games myself. So people can always go and find this information somewhere else. There's nothing stopping them going and finding it from the same sources that I'm getting it from. So it's about trying to package that in a format that is attractive and enjoyable. And that's what I mean about balancing it being conversational but also delivering a large amount of information in a relatively short space of time. Because like you said, I don't want to sacrifice information. I don't want it to be, I don't want the videos to be just short little tidbits where I'm kind of saying, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this game this weekend. Yeah, I think Liverpool will probably win. Hopefully Mo Salah has a good match. If he does, we'll probably score lots of goals. See you next week. I think that would be a bit naff in a way. And that's that's not really offering much. But like you said, it's 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 about not sacrificing any of that information, but still making the video enjoyable to watch. It's not just a stream of information. It does feel a bit more conversational. Because mm. I noticed in some of your earlier work, um, the videos were around kind of one to maybe three, three minutes or so. So I guess I would ask, how do you think your skills as a journalist in this space have developed over time to where, to where they are now? Well, I think... One thing is I've I've gradually found out more about where to get information from and also kind of, I guess, what information to trust because there's, there's a thing in football where rumours can fly around and get totally out of hand. But there's also sometimes you'll get information that's not from a super verifiable source. It's not being announced as breaking news on Sky Sports, but you should pay attention to it because it probably will be announced as breaking news on Sky Sports in a few days. So... Uh, as time's gone on I've kind of I now follow multiple football journalists on Twitter and kind of you've got to keep your ear to the ground to get all that information so there's more kind of stuff to work with especially when it comes to transfers which is quite a big part of fan media you know in terms of the overall footballing mm. schedule the transfer windows where clubs can buy and sell players and stuff like that that's actually quite a small part of the year in terms of you know how much of the calendar it takes up but it's a big part in terms of how much engagement you can get. Certainly, you know, people go absolutely berserk for for transfer news and rumours and they'll just go crazy for any kind of tidbits. But obviously, from my position, I've got to work out what's just rumours and nonsense and you kind of got to swat aside and what might be genuine, serious information. And the more I've done the channel, the more of that I've been able to kind of, you know, take out and work out what's what should be put into videos and what hasn't. And also, I think... 
it's like a confidence thing and a presenting skills thing. Like I'm much more comfortable talking to a camera nonstop, no cuts or anything like that for 15 minutes now. Whereas I remember the first time I was recording videos, I was like stopping every 20 seconds or something like that. And I was literally just kind of like memorizing a short bit of information, like saying, okay, these are the four players that I think are going to play in Liverpool's defense, say the names, say a brief sentence about what I think about them. And then that'll be it. I'd pause, look at notes again, (laughs) take a sip of water or something and then go again. So it is just something that comes from developing your skills as a presenter and, and, and becoming a lot more comfortable in front of a camera. Because at the end of the day, Standing in a room on your own and talking down a camera lens is a weird thing to do. It's not something that I think comes naturally to anyone. And, you know, if anyone's listening to this and, and is thinking of starting out anything like vlogging or YouTube or anything like that, then I think you just can't, you do have to accept that you're going to kind of make a muppet out of yourself a bit at first, that you're not going to be comfortable in front of a camera, that you're going to feel awkward, that it's going to feel and look a bit stilted. But you kind of just got to bite the bullet, put it out anyway, keep making bad videos until you start making good videos. And that's kind of what I was doing, you know, putting out little three minute videos, almost like it was just practice. And now this, what I'm doing now with longer videos, more information, a more kind of relaxed style because I'm I'm comfortable in front of a camera now. This is like the real thing. And I'd say those first maybe six months of videos is essentially me just kind of practicing and getting up to speed. But the thing is, you've got to publish that. If you keep it all to yourself, you're never going to get any better because there's no motivation to get better. No one's seeing it. You know, you're not you're not making an idiot of yourself in public and therefore there's no motivation to stop making an idiot out of yourself. So, like I said, you have to make bad videos before you can start making good videos. And that's the same for any creative practice. You can't get good at something until you've been really, really bad at it. Um, that applies, I think, to anything. Everyone's a beginner once. Yeah. How do you think, hmm, what were the real life effects then, I guess, of developing your confidence on camera? How did that manifest later along the line? Did that ever have any unexpected tangible effect, do you reckon? I think personally it has just made me, like, not to get too deep about it or anything, but it has definitely made me, like, more confident and outgoing as a person and I'm much more I've always kind of been comfortable speaking or or being in front of an audience because the thing is before I did this YouTube channel I was always into like acting and drama and stuff like that so I was happy and comfortable being on a stage but obviously on a stage you're playing as a character whereas on LFC Focus I am just myself and I think that was what was jarring at first was that I couldn't like put on a persona in front of camera I had to just be me talking about football But I think now I am a little bit more kind of vocal, a little bit more outgoing. It gives me a bit more confidence in myself, you know, thinking about certain situations you might find yourself in, like a job interview. I'm more happy just talking for an extended period of time about anything, really, um, because I've also got used to being able to speak and think at the same time, because one of the kind of key differences between I think my channel and a lot of fan media, certainly the fan media that I consume is it's it's one person in my case which is a rather unfortunate byproduct of um, of living so far away from Liverpool and away from like the key core fan base. It's not really something that I willingly did at the start. I didn't think, you know, I want to go it alone. I want to be the centre of everything. It was just that was the only really option I really had available to myself. But as a result, you lose that ability to kind of speak and then someone else talks and you can think about what you might say next what what points you want to make it's got to be all done on the fly I've got to be making one point while thinking about the next point that I'm going to make as well but I think that makes you a better speaker in general because in any walk of life you're going to find yourself in a situation where you are under pressure to just you know speak 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 and you've got to say interesting stuff and 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 you don't have time to, to stop and think about it so that's another skill that I had to develop like I said at the start, I was talking for 20 seconds and stopping and reading notes because I had to kind of establish a new train of thought. Whereas now I've got a little bit better at just kind of doing a long spiel and not really having to stop and think. Although I think there's still there's still room to improve there as well. Like I said, I'm working to kind of cut the videos, not maybe not cut the length down slightly, but maybe squeeze a bit more information into that same kind of space. Because at the moment, like I said, I'm, I'm speaking and thinking at the same time. So you do get moments of... Of, of repeating yourself of kind of going round the houses on quite a simple idea because you're trying to drag it out until your brain can come up with something newer and more interesting to say so it is it is still a constant learning process it's not like that i am the finished article now it's not like 
uh, should I continue to do LFC Focus for years to come? The videos are going to be like this forever. I'm sure in a few years' time, they'll be as different as the current output is from what I was putting out right at the start because it's it's a constant learning process. You're always looking for ways to improve what you're doing because if you don't, then no one's going to bother watching your stuff. You know, more people watch and more people subscribe and people keep watching as well because you're doing new stuff, you're doing different stuff, you're developing. If it was still just me kind of presenting in the same way, doing the same length videos in the same format, you know, it's like I said, it, it, the, the central format is broadly the same. It's a pre-match video discussing the game that's coming up and a post-match video discussing the game that's just gone. But I've moved the format around, introduced new elements, kind of refined it and changed it in little subtle ways, but ways that I think make the video more entertaining and more engaging. Because like I said, if it's the same every single week, people will get bored and they will naturally turn off. Well, I mean, the news is always going to be a bit different due to the news cycle of um, football news anyway, of Liverpool news coming in. Um, what, I guess, what so not subtle changes or or not so subtle or subtle changes have you made that you're particularly proud of? Well, I think right at the start, I did just think that all I'd need was a camera, a microphone, some editing software, and that would be it. And like I said, this is why you've got to just make stuff until it gets good because you don't realize what else you need and what you need to change until you really just throw yourself into it so like at the start I didn't think I'd need studio lights I I didn't think that would be necessary at all and then I very quickly realized that I could I had two options I'd either film using like natural lighting which looked grainy and horrible and was all very top down or I could only film during natural light where I'd be facing my bedroom window while the sun was out and that became very difficult because at the time I was still young enough to be going to school so I had to try and pick out days where I had a free period in the afternoon so I could get home early before the sun would go down to make a video or something ridiculous like that so I obviously went out and bought some studio lights and have worked out the best ways to place them so they make the room look nice and bright and they make me look nice and handsome but without without them also glaring into my eye and, and, and you know burning my retinas or anything like that and then also putting like little things in the background as well more decorations because at first it was just my bedroom maybe a Liverpool shirt hung up in the corner but now I've got like a TV that bears the logo um I'm currently going through an ongoing struggle which anyone who's come here from one of my videos will know of there's a little there's a banner in the background that says LA 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 which is a sort of popular phrase among Liverpool fans um and pretty much every single video without fail that has fallen down because it's, it's not really designed to be stuck where it is stuck. It's meant to be kind of strung through on on some scaffolding or something like that. Whereas I've just gaffer taped it to a wardrobe because otherwise there's this big, massive white wardrobe just taking up space in the frame. Because obviously I went to film and TV school essentially to do my degree. Um, I'm sure we might touch on that as well later. But I've learned a lot more about composition of the frame and you know, basically don't leave a massive, ugly white wardrobe in the corner where there's just nothing going on in the picture. So. That flag's been there and it keeps falling down, but it's 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 a constant kind of process of thinking how can I make the videos more interesting, both like in terms of content, um, most importantly, you know, at the end of the day, if what I'm saying isn't interesting, it doesn't matter what's going on around me, people aren't gonna bother watching. But also because YouTube is a visual medium, you've gotta bear that in mind, even though I can say that like that's not the main focus of my videos. I'm not intending to have crazy visuals that are gonna blow people away. You've still got to bear in mind that that is a part of it. It can't just be me sat in a in a dark room with a torch under my face talking very quietly or anything like that. There's got to be something for people to look at. So one of the benefits, obviously, of it being fan media is you can kind of get away with everything looking a little bit shabby. It doesn't need to look like, you know, a high-end sports studio. It can just be like kind of droopy Liverpool flags in one corner and, and cheesy little bits of Liverpool memorabilia. Like there's this kind of one of the things that, again, people who come from my channel will, will have noticed over time, this quite ugly doll of, of Roberto Firmino, one of the Liverpool players. Um, and it looks a bit kind of, it, it's a bit crowy, it's a bit camp. But it's it's all part of that aesthetic. And that's something that I also drew from looking at other fan channels as well, because I'm I'm not the first person to do this. I didn't invent the format. 
I wasn't even involved in kind of the early stages of development. I very much just kind of, you know, am one tiny little cog in what is now quite a big machine. But that meant that there was lots for me to draw on when I first made it, you know, watching like the Redmen TV were one uh, were a very key influence. They're probably one of the reasons I started the channel because I basically watched what they were doing and thought, that looks fun, I'm going to do that. Um, but they very much, I think they... Well, they invented fan media pretty much um, and they pioneered that style of like it not looking like a sports studio it looking like someone's back room so they're they're sat on like nice leather couches pardon me they've mm. got Liverpool scarves and banners in the corner and everything like that and it all feels a lot more homely and a lot more characterful so like I said I can I can kind of get away with things like flags falling down in the background because it's not it's not sky sports it is at the end of the day still me doing videos in my bedroom and I think as long as I don't take myself too seriously as long as I don't throw a fit and cut the cameras and start again after I put the flag back up or anything like that and just treat it as all part and parcel of the the aesthetic of the whole thing then it 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 goes along and then, and then people in the comments will make jokes about it and stuff like that so I do kind of enjoy the fact that it, it it is quite relaxed. I can be, I don't have to present a persona or anything like that. Like I said at the start, it felt weird having to try and be myself in front of camera. But now that's something that I very much enjoy, and it's I'm kind of you, I'm used to it, and I'm comfortable in that kind of um, environment. I guess. I think there's an advantage as well, um, being, the say a fan of it in comparison to you to the institutions such as sky sports i think people are attracted to you simply because it is you as an individual you're doing it because you love it and there isn't kind of you know there's not an ulterior motive if that makes any sense it is it is you who genuinely just loves liverpool well yeah there's 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 an emotional investment in it so the thing is i never the channel does make a little bit of money it's made enough money to basically now pay off all the all the equipment that's been bought for it and occasionally pays for me to make the odd twice a year trip up to actually go and see liverpool in the stadium in the flesh which is kind of a nice um little convenience around it really that basically by being a liverpool fan it's paid for me to be a liverpool fan in in a nice little roundabout sense but it was only ever really started and it it still only exists because I want to talk about being a Liverpool supporter and and everything that that means. And I think part of it is because I live quite far away from the stadium and I'm not surrounded by Liverpool fans all the time. I can't just, you know, I've got friends who are into football and, and stuff like that, but they don't want to just hear about Liverpool all day, every single day. So it's kind of an outlet for that as well. So I'm, I'm doing it because... I want to do it. And like I said, there's an emotional investment in it as well. And I think that's one of the, the things that really put a rocket under fan TV and kind of made, brought it to the forefront more of how people consume media around football because it is emotional and people are interested in seeing fans' reactions in a way that's authentic, that's not kind of scripted or doctored for TV because obviously even when they kind of try and appeal to fan culture on TV, it's always retained the kind of structure and organisation of a television production. Yeah, there's still a format to be followed and therefore it hasn't quite got the natural flow of, say, if you look at someone like Arsenal Fan TV, who, who, like I said, they were one of the people who really put a rocket under the format as well, um, where it is literally, you stand outside the stadium, you put a microphone in front of people's faces, you don't censor them either as well, which is an advantage that Fan TV has over Sky Sports because football fans are a... An excitable bunch, let's say, and <clears throat> generally, if they want to articulate their emotions, they will do it in a in a colourful manner that maybe isn't acceptable for uh, prime time TV when kids are watching. But it, it has that benefit of obviously going out online. You're you're a little bit more free in terms of uh, whether or not you're going to be censored. So they can get people's raw, emotional, un- uncensored thoughts and uh, about the match, and that's that's how like. People like the Redmen TV marketed their stuff as well. Their videos are called Uncensored Match Build-Up and Uncensored Match Reaction, which now, because the internet's been going on for so long, you think, well, like, yeah, it's on YouTube. But at the start, that was the selling point. You know, it was saying you don't have to watch Sky Sports and, and blokes in suits sort of talking very politely and calmly about the game. You can listen to someone rant and rave and, and, I, and I can do the same. You know, I don't think I'm necessarily one of the most over-emotional people about football. I think when when it's going well, I will go ballistic, but I'm not one of the people who kind of throws their toys around the pram and starts punching holes in walls when Liverpool lose or anything like that. In some ways, I almost 
wish I did have a little bit of that because that can get you a hell of a viewership. You know, if, if Liverpool lose and you go off on one, you can get hundreds of thousands of people watching your videos and that can create traction. But it can also create the wrong traction as well. You can get people who just want to hear you do that again rather than to hear you talk seriously about the game. But it is nice to obviously have that freedom to basically say whatever I like about the match. You know, it's it's, it's partially a benefit of it just being me, it not being a group of people, is that it is just quite raw it's exactly what I think about the match and then that does create the sense of community as well because I only really get other people's thoughts about it afterwards in the comments section and stuff like that and listen I might sometimes Liverpool lose and I'll go out on a video and say you know what I'm not that bothered I thought we played fine we were a little bit unlucky we'll go again next week and everything will all come out in the wash and there'll be people in the comments going you know tearing their hair out and going no it's a disaster everything's going wrong and it's kind of interesting to see different people's reactions in that manner and then to have that discussion and it also leads people to engage because if I'm emotional in any way about the match whether it's good or whether it's bad then people naturally latch onto that and listen if I'm in a good mood and I'm going crazy because Liverpool have won more people are going to be in a good mood and everyone piles on and celebrates in the comments and stuff like that or people will pile on and go berserk and tear their hairs out, hair out in the comments and, and it does create that sense of kind of a, a fan community that do, that isn't just a load of people together like it is up in Liverpool where everyone's much closer together and of course now we're in these unprecedented times as we keep referring to them this is kind of one of the few ways to still get that feeling of actually being among a group of people that are all enjoying the game together I think I've actually consumed more fan media under the current circumstances than I used to before because I'm missing that kind of environment of being around a load of Liverpool fans and talking about the game and being emotional about it as well. It's a lot easier to celebrate a goal and go absolutely crazy when there's a thousand other people in the room doing it with you. You don't feel like as much of a muppet if it's just, you know, you and your cat in the front room. Um, when the goal goes in, you kind of go, yeah, woo, and then realise that you look like a bit of a donut. Um but then having the channel kind of allows me to get back into that frame of mind of, you know, I can, you know, celebrate and be vibrant and excitable because that's what people want to see when Liverpool win. And I can also be annoyed and hacked off when we lose. So in a way, it's kind of allowed me to stay in touch with with, with the actual process of being a fan uh, in a way, I guess. You know, it's, it's, it's kept certainly kept me engaged with the football in an era where, it's quite difficult to still be interested in it because it is behind closed doors at the moment for anyone who doesn't know. There's no fans in the stadium. You can't go and watch it at the pub with your mates or anything like that. And for anyone who also doesn't know about Liverpool's fortunes, they're not doing too well at the moment. They've had a quite a rough month of it. And so normally around this time, I think, you know what, I'm just going to half watch the game. I'll have it on in the background. If it's going well, I'll pay attention. But if not, I'm not going to let it get on my nerves. And sometimes I might think, you know what, I just fancy going out for a walk or a jog or hanging out with my friends instead of watching the game. But instead, I'm thinking, well, I've got to make videos about it. I've got to engage with it. I can't go on the LFC Focus post-match video and be be like, oh, to be honest, lads, I wasn't paying that much attention. I didn't really care. So I've got it's kept me focused. And I think that's a good thing. I'm not saying that like, oh, I'm being forced to still care about something I don't care about. It's nice that it's managed to maintain football as kind of a hobby and an interest in my life and like I said it's it, it makes it more of a hobby and an interest because I've got to sort of let a bit more of my life revolve around it I've got to engage in it on a more daily basis and engage with discussions around it and stuff like that and keep your finger on the pulse as well you've got to know what the general mood of the fan base is you know if maybe if I'm not too fussed about football and Liverpool's results aren't going well, I won't let it affect me. I'll be fine. But if you keep your finger on the pulse, you realise that some people, you know, this is they're really into it at the moment. And I've been in that stage. I've had times where football's been really, really important to me. And if it's not going well, the sky's falling in. And you've kind of got to acknowledge that there are always going to be people who have that in mind. So I can't just go in a post-match video and go, oh, I don't really mind, Liverpool lost, oh well, I'll go and do something else with my day. You've got to kind of be aware that people are, whether you are or not, enraged by this and kind of acknowledge that and almost jump in with them and kind of, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and go as mad as everyone else is because that's what it is. Football supporting is, is a weird thing at the end of the day. It doesn't make 
much sense, especially now at the moment, you know, when, maybe when you're in a stadium and, and the players are in front of you and you know that if you shout and roar and cheer them on, that's actually going to have a personal effect on you. Or, for example, you're watching it in like a big concert venue or, or a packed pub or anything like that. And obviously when the goal goes in, it's all about celebrating that moment with other people, enjoying it with everyone else, everyone singing the same songs together and stuff like that. But now you haven't got any of that. So it's an especially weird pursuit to be a football fan. You're just watching people play a game. You, you know, you might as well be watching a PE lesson or something like that. There's, you, you have as much investment in a Liverpool match as, as I do in, I don't know, some old blokes playing golf down the road. It's, I, it doesn't really, it's not really relevant to me either way. But because we're football fans and because we're just kind of hardwired now to care... Uh, we still do regardless. And the fact that I'm making these videos, the fact that I'm engaging with it constantly all the time, always trying to keep my finger on the pulse and, and know what's going on in and around the club means that I haven't allowed myself to to be pulled away from it, to lose interest in it. And of course, at the moment, not wanting to talk too much about the unprecedented times that we find ourselves in, but it is kind of easy, I think, to lose interest in things and to and to uh, to stop caring about certain stuff because it, it stops becoming an important part of your life. So to have something that keeps me engaged with Liverpool at all times is is very very. It's a good thing. It, I think it keep it keeps me having something to do as well. Obviously because there's well, there's I think it's important to notice. I, I know it was something you mentioned on earlier. So sorry to interrupt you. I just. <laughs> I, I, just right. I needed to drink a water anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, um, is obviously you're doing what, two to three videos a week, um, pre and post match as well as pre post match. And then occasionally other stuff will happen that I'll want to cover, whether it's normally like transfer news. So if we sign a player or if there's a rumor that we're going to sign a player, but the problem with Liverpool in recent years is they've become very, very secretive about that sort of thing. So they don't, they don't put out loads of tidbits of information about transfer news like they used to. Whenever Liverpool was signing a player, I used to be able to get like 10 videos out of it because you'd find out we were interested then you'd find out that we'd spoken to the player the then we mill. were thinking yeah we we're thinking of tabling a bid we've tabled a bid the bid's been rejected we've upped our offer that's been rejected we've walked away then we've walked back into negotiations and stuff like that and it would be a whole saga and you could get so much out of it and like I said football fans go crazy for, for transfer news because obviously it's, it's the excitement of a new player coming in you know you don't know they could be the next Lionel Messi you just don't know until you've seen them actually play a few games at least for your club um, but now Liverpool are so secretive that it'll literally just be I'll be going about my daily business and this has happened multiple times now um, and it's exciting and annoying in equal measure but I, I might be settling down for an evening and I'll get a notification being like oh Liverpool have signed Virgil van Dijk the best centre-half in the world for 75 million and it's like oh well I, I guess I better get the lights up and turn <laughs> that camera on and make a video um, oh man so it's, that, that's well, kind of the other that's the bit that's I guess what you were leading into, I kind of interrupted you in your question there. But no, no, about not like at all. Ske- you, you clarified it far better. Um, but yeah, I was yeah. going to say, um, I think it's important to acknowledge the commitment in terms of time and work that you put in to make this per week. It's not a small, in- insignificant thing. As you say, you some occasionally have to get up at a moment's notice to get the lights up, record a video. You have to do all this research. You need to keep on top of, as you say, the news, watching online, the, the, the blogs, the podcasts. Like, it's a lot of work you do week in, week out to maintain this. Well, yeah. And the thing with the football schedule is it's it's pretty brutal on everyone. You know, it's, it's we talk a lot about how rough it is on the players, how... They are always getting injured and, and getting worn out because of the amount of games we play. But for, for anyone involved in it, and that includes journalists and, and therefore kind of by proxy myself as well, it doesn't stop for anyone. So I think uh, in a lot of creative pursuits, uh, say if you're a YouTuber doing like gaming or something like that, I think there is a little more wiggle room in terms of like you can think, you know what, I'm... I'm not really in the spirit of making videos at the moment, so I might take a couple of weeks off. I might just take a little bit of a back seat. Obviously, that doesn't apply universally. Say if you're like a, a FIFA YouTuber or something like that, you can't decide two weeks before the new FIFA comes out to take a, a, a day off or a week off or anything like that. You have to kind of engage with that particular moment. But normally, there'll be a window where you can back out and you can take a little bit of time to yourself. And the football schedule doesn't really allow for that because it's, for anyone who isn't familiar with it, there's basically matches for 
ten and a half months, I'd say. You know, preseason normally starts around about the first week of July, and then it goes all the way through to between the middle and the end of May. So June is the only month where there isn't really any club football at least there's like world cups and european stuff and something like that but that's national teams which doesn't really concern me on my channel level so that's a that's actually a rest for me <laughs> but then you've also got the transfer rumor mill as well and that and that's when it gets that's when it becomes it's kind of most fierce during the off season between games when all the clubs are doing deals and, and trying to sign other players so it's there's no real room and you certainly don't get to decide when that room is where you can relax a little bit. There's breaks in the season where we might not play for a couple of weeks. They're rare, but they do happen. Uh, and that gives me a little bit of time to maybe, you know, just do something else, you know, take up a few other hobbies and stuff like that. But generally you're playing at least one match a week. And at the moment, because of the way the season's been truncated, because of how the last one was just stopped in its tracks and then they had to do the rest of it behind closed doors over summer. This season started in September, not August, which means that, the schedules kind of cram together and therefore it is basically two games a week for pretty much the entire campaign. And therefore that's four videos a week because that's pre and post match. And you find yourself at times like, I've just come off the back of doing four videos in five days because we played on a Thursday night and then a Sunday uh, evening. So it was pre-match video on Wednesday, post-match on Thursday, another pre-match video on Friday, and then a post-match video on Sunday. And Liverpool lost both of those games, which makes it, I think, a little bit more difficult. You know, the last thing oh, I no. want to do after Liverpool have lost, really, is is to stand in front of a camera and talk about it for a while. But in a way, I think it helps because it means that everything I'm thinking and feeling out of the game, about the game, is out there and then. And I, I, in a way, I think I'm actually better off because of it. I don't carry a bad Liverpool result around with me all weekend. I'm not miserable and grouchy and snappy after Liverpool have lost because I just let everything out on that camera in that moment and then obviously cut it, produce it, chuck it out on YouTube and then let it let it be enjoyed by other people who can hopefully find it cathartic in some way to kind of wallow in my misery alongside <laughs> me. But um meditative to externalize that, yeah. I guess. But like I said, it's it it doesn't stop for anyone, and there there have been times where, because I I've been a university student for three years and I was at school before that and everything like that. It's there are times when you do have to acknowledge that you simply don't have the time to make videos. So occasionally I've had to miss matches, maybe a couple matches in a row because at university I've had certain assignments that are just taking up too much of my time, and it you kind of have to think well. I can't do both because I don't want to like half, you know, I don't want to half bake it. I don't want to put out a video that's that's half as long as it should be. And I'm sort of my mind somewhere else. And I haven't done the, the kind of appropriate research and note taking beforehand, because like I said, it's it's not just I don't just switch the camera on and then say what I think there. And then I will watch the press conferences and look at all the news around the game beforehand. Normally for a pre-match video. I watch highlights from the last couple of games of the opponent we're playing as well to kind of see what form they're in, see how they set up and and try and come up with my own ideas of, of how Liverpool can tactically get around them. Because obviously the videos aren't just like an emotional thing of me talking about how much I love Liverpool or hate Liverpool because they're doing badly or anything like that. I try and have a more an analytical level in there as well that you'd maybe expect from more high-end TV productions, but of course still presented in that conversational style. So... There is an element of stuff around the video as well that makes it difficult to do if I've got a load of other stuff on. You know, if I've got two uni assignments that are due that week and they're both taking up all of my time and there's still lectures and seminars and stuff like that to go to and I still need to have some downtime to relax to myself, then it becomes difficult to also be as engaged as I think I need to be with everything that's going on around the club to make a good video. And there's even been times where, say for example, I'm not I'm feeling unwell and I've recorded like a post-match video after a game and then watched it back and just thought, I don't think this is good enough to put out because I because I felt ill on that day and therefore I'm a little bit under the weather and, and the video is kind of a bit meandering. It doesn't really hit on too many salient, interesting points. The presenting style feels a little bit sluggish and I'll just think this isn't this isn't worth putting out because it's not worth people watching. You know, people have subscribed to my channel because they expect good content. They expect that a standard that I've now set and it feels wrong to then just chuck out any old rubbish because I want to kind of, you know, 
tick that box and say, oh, I made a video, I've covered that match. And so sometimes I'll then come back to it a day later and, and do a slightly different video, maybe a more in-depth analysis that's less emotional because obviously it's a day after the game has taken place and I've had time to look back on it and stuff like that. But it is very much, you have to kind of acknowledge that you can't follow this ridiculous schedule that football imposes on everyone who follows it because fans do that as well. Like I said, you have you, you might have a few weeks where you lose a bit of interest in the football and, you, and you'd rather be doing something else with your weekends because it, it does take up a hell of a lot of your weekend, especially if you go to the game. You know, it's it's mm. a whole Saturday is spent going to the match, enjoying it with your friends, enjoying afterwards as well. And that's your whole day. And sometimes you might just think, you know what, I'd rather, again, go for a walk, maybe hang out with my friends, go see a film. I might just stay in and put my feet up or something like that. Um, so you, you do get moments where you're kind of thinking, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather not watch the game today, but I have to because I need to talk about it. And especially when Liverpool are bad as well. I'm thinking, well, do I really want to put myself through this another 90 minutes? And that's what's going on at the moment of, of, of being bored and suffering and feeling frustrated watching us not be able to win matches and score goals and stuff like that. But like I said, you then have the catharsis of, I'm still involved in it. It's still giving me a little bit of structure to my days, which we all need at the moment. Um, and I'm if getting you, that catharsis don't mind me saying, of being able I think to talk about it. You have it. quite yeah. a healthy work-life balance with it, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I've never, I've it's it's never annoyed me making videos. I've never sort of thought, oh god, and then I, and then put my lights up and thought oh, I'd rather not be doing this, and been about to press play on the camera and thought I hate making videos, and then put on a happy face and, and pretended to be all excited <laughs> yeah. and interesting and woohoo, go Liverpool and stuff like that. I've always kind of tried to make sure that I never get into that state, even if that does mean maybe thinking I'm too busy this week. I can't put videos out. It's just not going to work. And it's going to, it's, it, it's also about like, is it just going to put too much stress on me that the video sucks because I need to be kind of in a vibrant space. You know, when you're, when you're presenting to a camera on your own for 20 minutes and delivering a lot of information, you've got to have a certain persona about you. You can't be sluggish or disinterested. You've got to be very kind. You've got to try and be on it. And like I said, it's that whole thing about you're making points while thinking about your next point as well. So you have to feel quite energized for it. It doesn't work if you're not in the mood. So I'm always very aware of not pushing myself into a corner where I just keep making videos until I combust and then I and then I can't make any more because I just feel absolutely sick of it. And I think that's an important thing in any creative pursuit. I think what's what's good, no matter what you're creating, is to make sure it's that it's not the only thing you're doing. And this has never been like LFC Focus has never been the only thing I'm making. Like that was one of the great things about doing a film and TV degree at uni was pardon me sorry I was still I was still like creating stuff at uni but it was different to what I was doing on the YouTube channel and it meant that I had other pursuits and other stuff that I could enjoy and now during lockdown I've taken up the hobby of playing guitar and I'm I'm learning music theory and stuff like that and I found that's really enjoyable as well because it means that I have a different creative outlet it's it's I don't feel like if I'm not in the mood to do LSE Focus, I'm being unproductive. So, And I think that's a good thing from any creative perspective. Don't make it the only thing you do. Because then if you don't want to do it, if you're not in the mood, then you sort of feel like you're not doing anything, that you're wasting your time. So it's, it's nice to have different outlets for your creativity because then you're never going to really get completely sick of one of them, I think. Well then, you had a very consistent way of developing your skills in production in the run-up to university where as you mentioned you did a film and television degree how much would yeah. you say that had an impact throughout your application process for that course i think it definitely helped in the application process because it showed that like first of all i had a baseline knowledge you know how the basic principles of how a camera works and how a, how a microphone records audio how lighting stops your videos looking hideous as well uh, which is a, a lesson that i learned on the job unfortunately um but i think it also helped in terms of showing that there was a commitment to creating something there on a regular basis i certainly when i started out the channel it was one video a week and it wasn't that pre and post match structure it was just I put out a video every Friday afternoon and whether Liverpool had played the night before or weren't playing for a few more days or were playing that day, 
that was still when the video went out and I obviously very quickly realized that 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 was a bizarre format to be working in and it needed to be much more built around how Liverpool how Liverpool was scheduling themselves um but and I think that kind of that was all an important part of the application process for uni because it showed that I kind of I'd adapted to the medium that I'd put myself in because obviously then going to university and doing film and TV production, it's not something that I'd done at school. Most schools don't do it and certainly not to the level that I did it at uni. So it's something that you've kind of got to throw yourself in at the deep end and learn very quickly. And like I said, again, there's there's an element of being bad before you become good, certainly looking back on some of the stuff that uh, was created in the very early stage of that uni degree is is garbage, but but garbage that I enjoy watching and looking back on because the process was fun and you can see there that everyone is learning at the same time. But I think what it did show was that I'm, I'm capable of kind of throwing myself into something that I still don't really know anything about. You know, when I started making this YouTube channel, I didn't know. I'd, I'd made like silly little films as a kid and stuff like that. It had always been something that I enjoyed, but um, I hadn't done anything like, you know, putting them out online, the whole process of of do, doing metadata for videos and stuff like that and, and getting it all out there. Um, and obviously also presenting to a camera as well. That was all something that I had to basically teach myself. Um, and that's an important part of university as well. Anyone who's gone will know and anyone who wants to go should know as well. You it, you get out what you put in. You teach yourself a lot of the things and everyone around you is basically just there to kind of gradually push you in the right direction and, and keep the wind blowing the right way and stuff like that. So it definitely helped, I think. And it helps now trying to look for industry jobs as well now that I've graduated to show that I've got that kind of a commitment now to a thing that's been going for a while because LFC Focus is no longer a new hobby. It's something that's been in my life since... Let me think, I should know the date of the first video. I think, off the top of my head, I'm going to say 15th October. October 2016, yeah. And I think it was the 15th... God, it was 16. So it's... I don't know why I'm looking at my watch. It's four and a half years now. I thought it was three and a half, but no, it's it's been going for a, a, a very long time. So it's I think the fact that it's just had that longevity and has been updated as well, you know, like there's they've it's gone through different logo designs and thumbnail designs and and the background design has changed and, and the format of the videos, the way they're put out and everything like that has has developed a little bit over time. It shows a commitment to an idea and a willingness to to find new and interesting ways of, of trying to keep it going, no matter what's what what's going on in terms of what it's covering. Because Liverpool as a team have changed as well. You know, they were they were good when I first started making videos, but they weren't you know the absolute juggernaut that they are at the moment. And and certain things happen that kind of put a rocket under it as well. Like uh, for example, from an audience perspective, when we signed Mo Salah, that ended up being huge for me because he has this he has a a cult following in in Egypt and that's putting it lightly that you can really I I wouldn't say draw upon because that makes it sound like I'm exploiting it but obviously it means that people there's suddenly a brand new base of people who are all very interested in what Liverpool are doing and the thing with Mo Salah is when he signed for Liverpool he was scoring every single game like literally it was ridiculous and as a result you put his name in the thumbnail you put his name in the title you put his face on the thumbnail and people would flock to it because everyone it's not like I was you know baiting people in there I was talking about Mo Salah and people want to talk about Mo Salah and it was funny looking at like the video analytics and and you were getting loads of people from Egypt suddenly appearing on the analytics but not just that that wasn't the only thing accounting for the increase it was also more people from Egypt come to watch the videos more people engage with the videos then more people from elsewhere come and watch the videos and everything like that so I'm struggling to remember what my original point was now because I've gone on a very long tangent but what essentially what I'm saying is you know you have to follow certain trends as well you know you have to have your finger on the pulse of of what Liverpool fans want to talk about. And that's why I still process a lot of fan media. I say process like like, <laughs> like it's just meat that I'm shoveling into my ears or anything like that. It's something that I enjoy, you know. But um, I'll still listen to the podcasts and I'll still watch the, watch the shows that people are putting out on YouTube and try and keep an eye on, on you know, new people who are coming out as well because... You know, there's no point trying to emulate the same people over and over again. You should always be looking at, at what's popular and what's new and what's what's changing in, in, in the world of fan media. Um, but I think that definitely helps me put out better content. I think I put out my best stuff when 
I'm watching great stuff from other people as well. Not because I'm I'm stealing from them. I'm not just taking their ideas from their videos and, and regurgitating it in my voice rather than theirs. But it makes you realize what makes good content because essentially the principle is if I'm watching it and enjoying it, then other people are watching it, enjoying it, and therefore I should try and be more like them and 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 make the videos entertaining that way. Um, okay, you mentioned um, logo designs, and I was actually going to ask you briefly about thumbnail designs because you changed your thumbnails only slightly about three four months ago. Um, what yes. kind of leads your intentions with these design changes? Well, I think. It's sometimes it's an annual thing because uh, the thing with football now being the uh, the money spinning juggernaut that it is is Liverpool change their kits every single year and with that they ch- they kind of change the their own graphic design around the club. You'll notice every time there's a new season, all the social media graphics will be slightly different and often they'll be designed to reflect the the kit of the time. So last season has a bit of gold trim, so a lot of the graphics have gold trim. This season, it's a slightly lighter shade of red and there's a teal trim on it. So they involve all that. So that was one of the changes that I made. And I often, when I'm, if I ever do change the thumbnail and and the graphics and stuff like that, it'll be done with kind of that kit in mind because it makes it feel current. It keeps it updated with Mm. whatever graphic design the club are going for. Not because I want to fool people into thinking that this is official club media that's going out. I don't (laughs) want people to think that I am LFC TV but to kind of keep it aligned with um, what the current kind of image of Liverpool is at that time. And also to try and keep it fresh and modern and um, and kind of, you know, make sure that the thumbnails look as professional as possible. It's not. It doesn't just look like something that someone nabbed off of Google Images and then uploaded straight away with minimal effort. It should look like, you know, someone's put actual effort into it. Um, and obviously one of the good things about the kind of very repetitive structure of, of doing fan media you know it's pre-match it's post-match and there's no real other way to go about it because football isn't essentially repetitive it's just a game and then a game and then a game and then a game uh means that you can use the same template i don't have to worry about you know reinventing the wheel every time a, a new video comes out to make a new and exciting thumbnail it's just once you hit upon a design that you think looks snappy and works and and you can slightly adjust for every single game obviously to put new images in uh, put the salient information like what teams are playing and what the score is and stuff like that in the thumbnail um, then that obviously works and, and one of the interesting things is I do make all the graphics uh, rather amateurishly on PowerPoint I haven't got um, you're Photoshop. far too harsh on yourself man you're anything. far too yeah, harsh on like- yourself just because that's what I started using because I didn't really use Photoshop much as a kid and obviously PowerPoint is a lot cheaper um, and I knew how to make stuff on there and it's now just in a position where I can make, I could definitely make better thumbnails and graphics and logos on PowerPoint than I could on Photoshop. If you gave me Adobe Photoshop, I have, I'd have no idea how to make pretty thumbnails. I wouldn't even be able to make the ones I already have on Photoshop because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, you know, anything about how to navigate it. Uh, and that's mm. the same with the editing software that I use and everything like that. I'm kind of into a rhythm now where. I'm a lot more settled in it. And that makes creating the content easy as well, you know, coming back to that. I was going to ask you about uh, that, about the kind of repeated workflows that obviously you're doing such a huge amount of work every week over time, developing, developing. How have you streamlined, in what what particular ways have you streamlined your workflow to make them um, as easily repeatable as possible? Well, I think it's part of it is just getting to know the mediums you're using. So uploading on YouTube, at first, I I didn't know how to do it. It's not the most difficult thing in the world, but there are certainly ways of making it a lot quicker. So you can you can have ready built templates and stuff like that. So there's kind of the descriptions and the tags have a base level um, in the videos that that's kind of copied over into every video and stuff like that. Like I said, the the thumbnail design now it's set. There's only a few key things that I need to change about it. Um, and also just I know my way around all the software that I'm using because I've used it for an extended period of time now. I mean, one benefit of the, the format of the videos is they don't require a huge amount of editing. You know, I have I do enjoy video editing and, and kind of creating stuff that's a little bit more wacky, that has more cuts and, and crazy stuff going on as a, as a hobby rather than stuff that I do for my YouTube. But this is very much just I'll talk to the camera. Maybe I'll pause for a glass of water and to catch my breath at some point because it does obviously there is a lot of talking uh, without any breaks while you're actually presenting to camera. Um, and that might be one or two cuts of video and then, of course, an end screen 
at the end so it doesn't take too much time that way which is good because obviously when I'm doing post-match videos I want that to get out as soon as possible so it's important to have a quick easy workflow that you don't have to think about too much and you can just you know robotically go bosh 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 and get the video out as quickly as possible because it is a very ephemeral thing you know if you want to react emotionally to a football match people want to see that half an hour after it's finished not the day after it's finished because everyone's calmed down then no one you know everyone's got on with their lives they've realized that Liverpool winning or losing is not the be all and end all so you have to kind of strike while the iron's hot essentially and that was a slower process at the start because I didn't really know what I was doing. I was getting used to how to make a good video as well. It took me more time to also get into the zone, I think, of presenting to a camera. You know, I'd be I'd be sat there for at least a few minutes, I think, at first, kind of going through my notes and thinking about what I'm going to say, what order I'm going to say it in, how I'm going to present it. Whereas now, once the notes are made and in a rather sort of crude fashion, I haven't got an auto cue in my bedroom, surprisingly. So instead, it's just a landscape sheet of paper with some of the words in bold and then that's blue tacked underneath the camera on the tripod because it means I can still see it without having to kind of let my eye drift or anything like that um, but uh, th that's now also part of the process and I can literally just once I'm ready to go press the camera and start talking and it, it comes a lot more naturally and I know exactly what I'm doing in terms of what I need to do afterwards cut everything uh, produce everything put it all out I can do it sort of while doing other stuff as well and that's a good thing I can I can read other media about the game and 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 stuff like that while also putting my own stuff out which is nice because at first it was very much like I was focused and I was trying to work out where I was going but now it, it's a much more natural thing which I suppose uh, suggest that maybe I should be doing more to kind of because you kind of if you constantly have that thing in the back of your mind you should always be busy you should always be doing stuff and occasionally there might actually be a whole week between Liverpool games which at the moment is unprecedented and I think you know I've got four or five days here where I don't have to make a video and I'm thinking well should I should I be putting stuff out and generally at the moment because the schedule is as, as congested as it is I'm thinking no have that time to yourself you know immerse yourself in some different hobbies uh, go outside uh, rest a little bit and then of course you come back to make another video a few days later and you're a lot fresher um, but there is kind of that feeling of because also when things are going well uh, so for example at the moment I'm in a really good kind of uh, workflow of putting out the videos at a decent time before the game and then getting them out nice and quick after the game and, and covering every single match, which of course, as I said, hasn't always been the case because other things have just got in the way, such is life. But um, I sort of feel like I don't want to lose that momentum. So recently we had nine days between Liverpool matches and I was thinking, well, you know, I'm getting into making the videos. I'm enjoying it. I'm energetic about it. And more and more people are watching them because it's 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 going well. Uh, more Because the thing is, on YouTube, the more videos you put out, the more people watch your videos because they're, they're not going to subscribe if they see you upload once a month because it's like, well, what's the point? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get that much out of it. But if they see you're uploading regularly for every single game, they're going to think, well, this is something that I can rely upon. As I said, to go all the way back to that point at the start of the videos, at the start of this podcast, sorry, um, it's <laughs> that, that routine that people have pre and post game. They have podcasts and, and articles and blogs and videos that they will seek out as part of how they digest everything that goes on around the football match mm. and you want to be a that, part of I that i wanted to sorry well to, not to interrupt i um, right. i wanted to ask briefly about your other main format of doing lfc focus tv which is of course twitter where for yeah. example you talked about the transfers earlier where there's so many rumors there's so much information and things happening in such a short space of time yeah. you don't really have the ability to constantly turn around for, for every little thing whereas twitter you can of course put out your thoughts a lot more quickly without having to go through the hassle of production well yeah twitter makes it very easily to communicate with people without having to make a whole video out of it like um for example also there was a recent situation where liverpool were due to play a game on the friday night i was going to do the pre-match video on the thursday afternoon to try and get it all out within time but also having watched the press conference that was going to happen before the game and then it came out about 24 hours before the game was going to kick off that they'd have a covid outbreak at the opposition team's training center and all of them were isolating and they weren't sure how the game was going to go ahead and it rumbled on kind of all through the night really how the game was going to go ahead eventually they settled on they were going to play their academy players against us which worked out as you would expect they didn't win <laughs> um but that meant that i sort of 
And I sort of thought, I don't want to not put out a video because people are now expecting it. They're expecting me to put out the video at least the day before the game. But also, I don't want to put out a video if I don't know how it's going to play out or if the game's even going to go ahead. So I can then just very easily go on Twitter and just say, there will be a video, but it's not coming out today because I have no idea what's happening with the game tomorrow. And regardless of whether or not it takes place tomorrow, there'll be a video, either a pre-match if it's going to happen or, or a general news kind of thing but it is it's a format that I think I should use more because I don't maybe use it as regularly as I should but say if there is a transfer saga going on then it's good to like I said keep your ears to the ground and also see what people think of it because you know it's it's all well and good knowing which players Liverpool want to sign it's also good to know whether we should be signing them in the first place and what fans think about that as well you know you shouldn't just I'm not just going to go on a video and say oh I think this player's great so I think we should sign him yeah brilliant and then everyone in the comments is going ah I've seen him he's rubbish I don't like him I don't want him so you can't you have to know what people think um I know what people think of you as well so I do read the all the comments that come out on the video and see you know if people say that I've been rambling on about one particular thing for too long then I'll take that on board and try and cut that out of the video or if people say that they, that, that they just liked it then obviously that's positive reinforcement and that's that's one of the best things I think is when you get do get positive comments you get people telling you that they like the video that what, what you're doing is entertaining to them because as much as like I said at, at the end of the day I'm doing this for my own enjoyment it's about me you know being emotional and being invested in Liverpool Football Club and talking about it because that's what I want to do at the end of the day it's good that other people are getting stuff out of it as well and that's why I do like it that it's part of people's routine that this is now part of how they enjoy the football whether we win or lose this contributes to the overall experience that that just that little thing of of me talking to a mic in my bedroom I guess Mm. that's really really special wow hmm yeah, I think um, I I know I know we chatted about it earlier, but I think there is a huge amount of value that you're providing, perhaps more than other people, which is just the level of detail and preparation that you go into in terms of learning about it to then um, compress that and present it in a really entertaining way, um, as you described by a very you know well informed person as you are on the yeah. subject. <laughs> um, I guess um, something more on just the YouTube side then is obviously LFC focuses. Um, you know your big thing uh you mentioned a hobby such as you're currently learning guitar would you ever consider broadcasting yourself in a manner that's not to do with liverpool i do think about that and i think i've had ideas with friends that have almost been kind of nixed a little bit by the 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 pan the little pandemic that we've ran into recently don't know if you know about it Tom. <laughs> but, um, uh, so that's um because obviously, as I've kind of touched upon a few times, this video is just me on my own. And I'd actually, I think I would enjoy also making content with other people that, that, that allows me to take a little bit more of a backseat. Because as much as I do enjoy just sort of talking over and over again, it's something that um, I know, as you will know me personally, Tom, it, it's something that I like to do, to talk a lot. Um, but I would also <laughs> like nice to have a format to where I can where I can sit back and and you know be part of an overall conversation. So I've had ideas about maybe doing podcasts about film. Uh, I know that that is quite a sort of saturated format, but that's because a lot of people like films. Um, as I'm learning guitar as well and, and learning about the music theory side of things as well, and I know a few friends who are interested in that. I have been thinking about maybe starting something with that in mind as well obviously at the moment that's kind of on hold because as I said I want I want to maybe do stuff with other people that isn't just me on my own and that is a little bit difficult at the moment obviously what you're doing is fantastic that you've created this whole podcast series uh, while while trapped within the confines of your own house um but at the moment also because of the nature of the football season as well it's it's very full on the games are constant I'm very much focused on just keeping a lid on that at the moment yeah, and I guess do, as the summer ro- we, you do a hell of a lot of work per week yeah. on this but obviously as, as the summer rolls around and, and we get into uh, a, a month or so at least where Liverpool aren't going to be playing every week and I can I can prioritise something else I'm kind of looking at that as a time when I could have a little bit of a window to set something else up because the thing is once uh, I guess if, if anyone's watching or listening to this and is kind of a little bit apprehensive towards starting their own thing whether it's a youtube channel or a podcast or or any kind of social media endeavor or anything like that 
it is kind of that first stage where you're setting it all up is the most daunting because like I said you don't know what you're doing you do just have to throw yourself into it and kind of get to grips with creating your own format and you need time to kind of to do that and obviously at the moment because I'm so invested in doing the LFC focus videos it would be difficult to start something else at the same time but there's a little bit of room over summer there hopefully we can all you know people can sit in the same room as each other again by that point which would make it a hell of a lot easier but um i'm kind of eyeing that up as thinking well if i've got the time in my day then i can create something else whether it's to do with films or music or something completely different that i've ended up being interested in because i also think as i said it's good to have different interests not just be have one creative outlet so i think it would be nice to have a couple of YouTube channels on the go. So I'm not always just thinking, got to make LSD focus, got to make LSD focus. I'm thinking, well, I'm doing that and I'm doing that and I can, you know, I can keep myself occupied in multiple ways. And hopefully as a result, that will make me enjoy making LSD focus videos even more, if that were possible. <laughs> it's not often that, obviously, when I make the LSD focus videos, it's just me talking about the football. There's not really like there's not really a kind of as much of a personal level as maybe I would have liked. You know, at one point I had a bloke who um, in the comments, he said that he didn't even know my name and just decided he was going to start calling me Chris. And I realized <laughs> that I don't actually introduce, I don't introduce myself by name. I'm not like, hi, it's me, Will Howell. And you're watching LFC Focus. It's just, hello, you're watching LFC Focus. Bam, we're into the football. And I didn't realize that obviously that means people who have been watching my videos for years may not even know what I'm called. And this bloke has just decided I'm called Chris, which is fine. You know, I'll, I'll I'll always be Chris to him if if you're listening mate then uh, keep doing it I don't mind it if you think I look like a Chris then I'm a Chris but um I guess it is nice it's nice to talk about it I've done like Q&A videos when um I've hit 5k subscribers and stuff like that but it's not something I've ever felt there is a huge demand for necessarily certainly not a whole video where I just sit down and and talk about my life and times and read my memoirs to the audience or anything no, I like think, that I think you're too harsh on yourself I don't think people would no. stick around um if there was an underlying uh yeah as they say, ick about you. I think people genuinely like you for what you do and they have a lot of respect for the work that you put into it and create a really yeah. fantastic product there. So, you know, I think... They're... Well, that's one of the reasons I want to do other stuff as well that would maybe be a little bit more personal, like doing a, a podcast in a group about film or about music or anything like that. And that would have a bit more of kind of a... Maybe you know counterintuitively because there's more people in it, but a personal feel because you kind of... You get the interpersonal relationships with people... Um, within the content and then you can kind of latch onto that and it feels more like a group of friends talking than me spieling to a camera but I suppose like you said yeah people are watching not just because I am the font of knowledge because as I said right at the top people can go and and find all the information that I say in videos that's that, that is like you know about uh, players that are injured players that Liverpool might sign anything like that they can go and find that themselves if they want so there must be I guess something about the way that I'm packaging it that, that makes them want to receive it that way rather than go out and find it themselves well in which case then I guess I'll close on a comment that I found which was from two years ago uh, oh, by someone named Henry Parsnip two years ago. This is a quality Hello, channel Parsnip. because he is excellent at what he does. Well thought out opinion, well presented, good stuff. Those are the nice comments. I like that. I think I do. I have quite a thick skin, so I'm not. I'm not averse to hate comments. I don't mind it if people want to just have a go at me. That's absolutely fine. But as it is nice to get stuff like that where people reinforce what you're doing and basically reassure you that you are not just some. Burke talking to a camera <laughs> in their bedroom but that what, what what you're doing has some level of value not just to yourself while you're making it but to the people that are watching it as well awesome. what a lovely way to close <laughs> lovely Will of LFC Focus TV thank you so much for joining us today it has been an absolute privilege I hope you have a wonderful evening thank you for having me Tom it's been lovely I hope you have a lovely evening too <laughs> cheers for listening bye bye guys adios <laughs>